you know, there were a lot of really amazing nonprofits doing a lot of really good work. But if we were going to connect with young millennials, snowboarders and skiers and winter sports enthusiasts, you know, the old nonprofit models didn't really work. And we really needed to do something different. So we modeled it after some consumer brands that had a lot of success building loyal communities. Welcome to the Channel Mastery Podcast. If you're a specialty business and brand leader obsessed with understanding what the most effective channels are today to connect with, serve, and sell to your target consumers, then you've just found the perfect podcast and community. My name is Kristen Carpenter, and I'm your host and the founder of Verde Brand Communications, the presenting sponsor of Channel Mastery. Verde created the Channel Mastery Podcast to level the playing field for the specialty brands we serve. Every week on this show, we study how consumer preferences are changing and the evolving channels they like to use to engage with their favorite brands. Once again, welcome to Channel Mastery and subscribe today. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Channel Mastery Podcast. Here we are at the beginning of August 2020, and a top question on so many people in my audience's mind is, how do we connect brand with purpose and brand with impact? Our consumers we know want our brands to lead change today. They want our brands to create the change they are not seeing from their governments or other institutions they used to see that change come from. And I have found a great expert to help us with this. Chris Steinkamp, welcome to the show. You are the principal and founder of the Base Layer Group. Thanks, Kristen. It's good to be here. Oh, it's so awesome to have you here. I've wanted to have you on the show for some time. We've worked on a lot of things together, obviously with SIA, Snow Sports Industries of America. Um, let's talk about your background and the reason you founded Baselayer. My career started in advertising in Los Angeles. I worked at a large agency in LA and I was part of an agency that was creating just amazing award-winning campaigns that became part of the social fabric, that created movements. And it really built brands with deep, deep loyalty like Pepsi and Apple and Nissan. And it was just really inspiring to be part of that. So I was there for quite a long time. And, but in 2007, you know, I had an opportunity to start Protector Winners with Jeremy. And I saw an opportunity to use my advertising background to create a nonprofit with a little bit of a different approach, more of a marketing sensibility to it. And really kind of a brand that was really not that much different than, say, the North Face, for example. They have a real excitement and an emotional connection with their customers and their followers around their brand. And I wanted to do the same with Protect Our Winners. You know, we really didn't want people to just to donate to us or feel guilted into doing it. We really wanted them to feel excited about what we were doing and what we were building. So we kind of redefined what nonprofits were doing in that space and with a new kind of consumer-oriented brand that really engaged our supporters and engaged them in our mission along with us. So then I started Baselayer, and it was really the combination of both experiences because, you know, I saw two things. I saw how smart marketing can create movements but also the power of corporations and brands to force change. And that's really the reason I started Baselayer. It was kind of the culmination of both of my big experiences in my career. And that moved you to Boulder or did you move to Boulder with Protector Winters? No, we brought Protector Winters to Boulder from the beach in Los Angeles. We figured it was probably a better place to be. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> that's awesome. And I, I'm so, you're obviously like a perfect person, a great resource for us today. 
And I, I'm really excited to dive in and discuss what you mean more about like creating movements and building brands with deep loyalty. So many of our clients and so many of the people in the Channel Mastery audience are really, they have the best of intentions. They so want to do the right thing. And, and it's, 2020 has proven to be, you know, I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, we're all living it, so I don't need to. But meaning for a brand and how they're communicating and how they understand their audience and their reach People are really becoming more and more aware that, that their, their workforce, their you know, brand fans and followers, they are looking to brands in specialty to, do, to be the change they want to see, the change maker. So I'm really excited to you know, talk with you today about that and specifically like how you brought your advertising background you know, into a nonprofit, into our space, and really kind of, I think, created a new type, a new archetype, a new almost a new category of nonprofit. Like what POW has done has been very different. So I'm curious to know if you can like just share a little bit around like what it was like to start that company with Jeremy, what the vision was and kind of how you saw brands start to evolve with that with you. Yeah, starting Protector Winners and running it for so long was really exciting. It was at the beginning a real startup mentality. We were excited every day to be building something new that was gaining a lot of attention, but that was also making a real difference. So in 2007, Jeremy Jones had an idea for a climate change nonprofit to address the changes that he was seeing in the mountains firsthand. So decreased snowpack year after year, shorter, wetter winters, and to mobilize the outdoor industry and the community against those changes. Um, but coincidentally, I too had the same experiences seeing the impacts of climate change. You know, not in Alaska or British Columbia like he was, but in Vermont and New York, where the small community-based resorts that I had learned to ski at were beginning to close. I've been skiing since I was five, so I was becoming really concerned about these changes too. So I heard from Jeremy's brother that he had this idea for a nonprofit called Protect Our Winners, which I thought was genius. And it was such an incredible idea and so consistent with my values. So we connected and I told him what I thought I could do to help him get it going. We met in Los Angeles shortly after that and sketched out the mission together. And that's how it all started for me. Um, but I saw an opportunity to use my marketing background to create something new in the space. And I think it was, you know, it was a good thing that neither one of us were nonprofit guys. I'm a marketing person. Jeremy is obviously a professional athlete. And so we were able to address this challenge and build this organization from a completely clean slate and to come at it in a, in a fresh, you know, maybe even disruptive kind of way. And that was really advantageous because, you know, we really felt that something needed to be changed within the climate space and the nonprofit space at the time. You know, there were a lot of really amazing nonprofits doing a lot of really good work. But if we were going to connect with young millennials, snowboarders and skiers and winter sports enthusiasts, you know, the old nonprofit models didn't really work. And we really needed to do something different. So we modeled it after some consumer brands that had a lot of success building loyal communities with pro athletes, for example. And we asked ourselves, you know, why can't a nonprofit be a brand too and have this same level of engagement with our community? So building this organization around this idea of an emotional connection with our audience was really important because we wanted our supporters to feel, again, like they weren't just donors, but again, you know, but real participants in our mission. And what my marketing background gave me was a real understanding that great marketing and creative ideas can change consumer behavior and create movements. 
And I just figured that this idea can also be applied to a nonprofit model. But also, as we started Protect Our Winners, you know, we didn't have any resources really. And it was just Jeremy and myself. People didn't know much about us at all. So to break through credibly and quickly and gain the attention of the industry, there really needed to be an attention to detail. And POW needed to seem bigger than what it really was at the time. We had a clear mission and we leaned on our corporate partners and our pro athletes to help us. And I think having a marketing sensibility behind that and creating a purposeful, polished, and exciting brand was really important to get the attention and the traction that we needed to make an impact quickly. It was really, ex it was really an exciting time building an organization from scratch and seeing the community and the industry respond so positively. Oh, absolutely. And you, you hit on something that is a perfect tee up for my next question. So you were able to create an emotional connection for a nonprofit following some key brand best practices at the time that maybe you had learned or seen, or Jeremy had seen obviously through his sponsors, et cetera. Tell us what you're seeing now. You have a study that you'd like to share with the audience <laughs> because where, where we're going with this is at the time, you definitely created a movement with consumers, but I think that the appetite for such movements in our specialty spaces is enormous. So tell, share with us some of the data. Well, I, I think just, I think for a second, what we learned at Protector Winners was that it wasn't enough just to say, get involved with us, just donate to us, mm -hmm. um, here, or here's what we stand for. Our followers really wanted to get involved and they really wanted to roll up their shirt sleeves and do something. And that, you know, was really exciting at the time because we had this really passionate, almost fanatical community of people that said, hey, look, we believe in what you're doing. I care too. Tell me what I need to do. And that's essentially what's going on in the marketplace right now. Consumers want more than what they're getting. And, you know, this Cone study that came out just last year of a thousand Americans said that 87% of, of Americans said that they purchased a product because that company advocated for an issue that they cared about. So that number is astounding. And it just gives you an idea of the power of, of the consumers now. They want to get involved. They want to roll up their sleeves and they want to say, activate me. And, and we used to call that voting with their dollars, right? And obviously we still do. But I mean, there was a study, there's lots of studies coming out as you well know, but Edelman's sentiment study and loyalty study, they did a special one in March that we've referenced a lot on the Verde um, you know, special COVID resource podcast. But it was in the high 70 percentile globally of consumers that are literally looking to brands to help make the change happen either with their governments or for instead of the government, right? And so I think that that 87% is probably still super accurate, but it could be even higher. It's crazy. Yeah, there's really not much more room, is there? So it's, no. <laughs> you know, and companies that see that, you know, they see this opportunity because consumers are asking for transparency and they're asking for visibility with their brands that they support, but they're also asking for an urgency in solving these problems. And, you know, in essence, they're asking their brands to lead and, in trade, they'll give those brands their loyalty. And it's pretty fanatical. Yep, and that's another thing we're seeing is uh, consumer loyalty is up for grabs in two areas. One is their day-to-day their -day has changed so much that they're changing, they're open to new brands and new experiences because of how just impacted they are. They can't go and do the same thing. So they're like, okay, whoever provides me with the easiest, most friction-free experience, they have some of my loyalty. 
But the real deciding factor is ethical alignment. Absolutely. And that's ultimately why I wanted to connect with you today. So let's talk a little bit about that because obviously like I'm a, a communications pro, you're a marketing and a nonprofit pro, and you're creating, a, I think, a new paradigm of, of um, nonprofit support and consumer brand support in what you have at Baselayer. Like it's truly like a, it's a different archetype of an agency. Um, and I would like to talk with you a little bit about like as you hear brands that come to you, and you're, you know, aware and they're saying, hey, our audience, our consumers are asking for transparency. We really want to align with the right cause. Like, what are some of the best practices today that a brand can do to really nail this? Because I think that, as I said at the beginning, like our brands in our space, they have the absolute best intention. They want to do right, but they're also feeling a little like afraid that no matter what they do, it's going to be a misstep. So what are some best practices that you're seeing today, like August of 2020? <laughs> Today, not tomorrow. Yeah. Well, you know, like, you know, really, it's interesting because, you know, brands are hearing this from their consumers and it's a, a really, you know, strong message that they need their brands to stand up for something. But I think a lot of brands are also understanding that they too have an impact and they need to clean up their act because, you know, brands make stuff. And so they also feel a responsibility to take some action as well. So it's a marketing opportunity for brands, but it's also they're doing it because it's the right thing to do. And you can kind of see this blending of the right thing to do and consumers are asking for it. And it's a really powerful mixture of, of impact, um, especially on the sustainability side. So I think, you know, to really approach this correctly and create that emotional connection with consumers, you know, brands need to really stand for a singular issue that fits their company's ethos and their product mix, you know, and I would suggest that brands don't get spread too thin because there's, so many opportunities that come to brands and sponsorships and this and that, but they really need to kind of set their, like set their path forward and pick a lane and go for it and really dedicating all of their resources to really solving that problem. But in the meantime, they've got to do the research. You know, there's so many companies that just kind of jump in and say, look, we stand for this. And they haven't really done the research to really understand like, how are we going to make the impact that we need to make? And I think that's the difference between what makes a good social impact platform and a great one is that they've done the research. They've talked to the community leaders. They've talked to the NGOs who are on the front lines and said, look, how are we going to get into this in the most intelligent and thoughtful way? And then they create that impact, that platform that is focused on real impact. But I think that the next step that they need to take is they need to figure out how are we going to engage our consumers in this journey with us? Mm -hmm. and our employees and to really make it a kind of a, a brand ethos and, yep. a, and a mantra almost throughout the company. So consumers need to kind of buy into this belief system and so do the employees. And it helps with reten employee retention. It helps with hiring. But, you know, when consumers are engaged, um, like I said earlier, they want to have a piece of this. And when you can really kind of give them the tools to kind of be advocates and activists, then I think that's what really makes an incredibly powerful platform. So tell me this, like with the brands that you've worked with in this and also being on the nonprofit side, you're such a great resource. How have you seen, I mean, in my experience, and I'd love to hear yours, that when a brand looks internally to help define this, that's when we really see the magic happen is when the workforce is working with the leaders of the company to actually select the lane. Yes, absolutely. You know, it can't be done from, it, it, you can't do it for the press release. You know, you've oh, got God, to no. yeah. look internally, you know what I mean? Like, but some companies do, you know, they, yeah. they kind of go for the next shiny thing, the issue out there. But, you know, 
really quickly, I think a lot of companies find out that they really should have listened to employees and they really should have dug deep into why was this company founded? What are the core values of this company? How do the employees feel about it? And talk to as many people as you can before you pick that lane, because it really does pay off. Oh, absolutely. And it's when, as I know, a lot of people know, your employees are your best marketers, period, the end, when they believe in, in you know, what you're doing and, and what your company stands for. And it's super clear. As, as you said, it not only attracts the right people, but it also helps the people internally feel proud about where they're spending so much of their time. And I think everybody is experiencing this, but people, I don't care how old you are, because everybody loves to point to Gen Z or millennials, but I, I think everybody going through COVID is reevaluating. I'm spending a lot of time at work. Is this fulfilling for me? Or perhaps they've been furloughed or laid off or whatever, and they have time to really think about that. But think about when this job market comes back and think about how important it will be that your brand actually has done the work to truly encase the cause into its DNA and actually like start showing action and talking and showing that action instead of like talking about it in a press release make it a story. It's an experience that everybody at your company is going through. And I love that you say like, it's almost like you're saying embed with the community around the cause, because that's ultimately, I think, where you're going to learn the most and what the employees would get the most like juice out of, you know, like just knowing that they're, they're in it, they're embedded with the people in Washington or, or regionally or whatever, they are embedded with the cause. And, you know, we've worked with multiple brands where we've seen this and it's been incredibly powerful. And it, it, the, the communication around it almost writes itself and, and creates content for itself because everybody is so proud to be part of it. It's really magical. I think you're totally right. And I think that, um, you know, consumers now are very, very smart. And they, they understand when a company is trying to truly make an impact and when they're not. And when they see a company approaching a problem in a very thoughtful and strategic way, when they've done their homework to find out what do we really stand for? And once we figure that out, let's figure out how we're going to communicate it. Is it going to be, you know, we're going to engage all of our employees. Our board's going to reflect that. Our product mix is going to reflect this new ethos. Our retail stores, when someone walks into a retail store, they're going to see it. Patagonia obviously does a great job of that. But then, you know, in their brand marketing, you know, like I truly think that brand marketing and social impact should be one and the same. You know, if you're really going to make an impact and if you want your brand to stand for that, then you've got to communicate that authentically through storytelling and giving your consumers the tools to better understand the issue, but also come along for that journey with you. And, you know, again, Patagonia is, does this really well, but I, I'm a firm believer that brand marketing and social impact should be one and the same. And when I just want to remind everybody, or this might put some folks at ease who are listening here today. It is a process. And, you know, Chris specifically said, bring them along the journey. The storytelling can be good, bad, and ugly. And I also think a lot of brands who were, you know, really paying close attention, not only to what their internal workforces needed during COVID and how they were communicating and, and whatnot with them, no matter where they were, um, as, you know, newly virtual, et cetera, we did learn, I think, that selling is secondary to serving. And this brand storytelling that Chris is talking about is part of the serving, okay? So going through COVID that, you know, we talked a lot about how it's not about transaction, it's about service right now. And now take that same page out of the playbook. And I think you can actually build that into a marketing plan around cause 
or social impact, same thing in my mind, like that's kind of what we're talking about here is, is um, making your brand a vehicle for positive change. Like that storytelling has to be before, during, and after, and it has to include wins and losses in order to truly humanize the brand. So I feel like that's what people will join up with. They aren't going to join up with a logo. They're going to join up with people who are doing the work and who are making the impact, even if it's incremental, they're in there trying to make it happen. Absolutely. And, you know, this is what, when we talk about that emotional connection, this is how we create it. You know, when we, when employees see their CEO in Washington testifying at a hearing, they feel this level of pride that, and consumers do too, that, you know, is really unshakable when you talk about brand marketing. And I, you also said something in our rehearsal call that I want to make sure we bring up here. The pandemic has taught us that the best things in life are not things. What is most important to me, right? So let's talk a little bit about that because I think that's also something that people are like, okay, I can choose where I spend my money, right? It's not just about acquiring a new piece of gear or a widget of some kind. It is about what I believe the world should look like. So talk a little bit about that. Well, I think as, as scary as COVID has been, it has made it more imperative for companies to show what they stand for because consumers are just... In the last five months, it seems they're so much more hyper aware of their place in the world. And they are very aware of what drives brands just beyond making stuff. You know, they understand that, you know, life is fragile. And, you know, if they're going to spend their time doing something, then it better be worth it. If they're going to spend their money on something, it better be worth it. And, you know, they look at brands and they say, you know, okay, before I buy this brand, how do they treat their employees? You know, what are their products made of? You know, what do they really stand for? And I, I honestly think that COVID has changed the mindset of consumers a little bit and will continue to do so because we're just more hyper aware of the fragility of this whole thing. I think it's more than a little bit, but yes, <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. Um, so we're also, before we wrap up today, I wanted to talk about some case studies, but before we do that, can we talk about one of your clients, Western Resource Advocates, because they overlay with one of my fantastic client, Scarpa North America. Sure. So Western Resource Advocates is a, is a nonprofit that I work with here in Boulder that does amazing environmental work in the Intermountain West on clean air, clean energy, fresh water, and public lands. And we're working with Scarpa, um, among other brands. And Kim Miller actually was the architect of this platform that we've created called Protect the West. And it's really a platform for brands in the outdoor industry to kind of come together and collaborate and elevate their voice on these existential issues that face the West, like clean air, clean water, and everything that we care about that drives our industry forward um, that are so important to us. And Kim is the CEO of Scarpa North America and just a fantastic Verde client and a friend of mine. And, and I know this work is so, so important to him. That, and he's also really risen to the occasion around BIPOC and diversity, equity, and inclusion. That's obviously a, a passion point for them. But the work with Western Resources, resource advocates can be found in the show notes. We'll send some links. Let's talk about a couple other case studies. Sure. Well, really quickly, you know, Ben & Jerry's is, you know, when you look at cause marketing and social impact, Ben & Jerry's really holds the bar. You know, they have a team of people that um, are dedicated to their cause, but obviously their cause is their brand. And, you know, this team at Ben & Jerry's has worked for nonprofits. They've worked on Capitol Hill and they really do understand the issues, the important issues that are of today. And so their work goes back years. It's just amazing. But their work recently on Black Lives Matter 
was just so impactful because there were so many companies that came out with statements and great statements about diversity and, and Black Lives Matter and the whole movement. But Ben and Jerry's took it one step further and they came out with their statement, but they also came out with a set of action steps to say, look, if we're going to solve this, this is what needs to happen. And it kind of goes back to, you know, it was just so powerful. And I think everybody saw it and said, oh my God, that's just so amazing. But it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. It was like, you know, people want to know not just that you care, but what you're doing and they want to come along for the ride. And I think Ben and Jerry's kind of created that roadmap for people in that respect. Absolutely. And they don't slow down. Like they keep raising the bar, which is incredible, especially during a time like this when we don't have a blueprint, but when we have brands like that to see what they're doing, it's fantastic. So you have another case study that you wanted to share as well. One of the brands out here in the West is called Bank of the West. You know, they took a really tough stand on climate change, but they, they realized that climate change was their lane and they, they chose it and they got behind it 100%. And what they did was that they, they said, look, we're a bank. How can we make an impact on this issue? And that's something I think that companies really need to take a look at as well. It's like, look, we are a company that produces this. How can we make an impact on this issue? And Bank of the West looked at climate change and they said, look, what we're going to do is we're not going to finance any fossil fuel related projects going forward. And that's a really tough stand to make, especially for a company that does business in Wyoming and Montana, but they did it. And it's really relevant to people because when you or I make a deposit in a bank, so many banks take that money and they, and they finance other projects with it that we don't know about. And Bank right. of the West said, look, we're not going to do that. And it was a really amazing stand and something that was very, very bold. So I have a lot of respect for that too. And I think one of the markers of that one is that we know as consumers, we have an experience with a bank and we're looking at that and we're like, that is actually really towing the line. That's putting action, right? And, and, the, and you know that they're turning away business because of that commitment, but they're gaining business from fans and followers who align from that. So with that, so I feel like that's an exceptionally great example. So thank you for sharing that. You know, social impact isn't, you know, can be very kind of like uncomfortable in many ways. You know, when you pick that lane, not everyone's going to love it. You know, there's always going to be somebody on your social media that says something. But I would just say that I've seen it happen so many times where, you know, brands say, look, this is what we care about. And we're going we're gonna to keep moving forward. And it does pay off. You know, your commitment shows. Absolutely. Before we wrap up here, I think it's important that we also revisit again, because you have the great background you do with advertising nonprofits and now with Baselayer. Let's talk about how companies can ask the right questions when supporting a nonprofit and truly um, do a good job integrating that nonprofit into their storytelling. I've seen this firsthand, you know, and so many companies, you know, they have the, the best intentions, but they don't ask the right questions when they support a nonprofit. You know, the funding is great and so desperately needed. But the real question should be when a company, you know, comes on and wants to support a nonprofit, they should say, how can we help you? How can we best help drive your mission forward? Because that's what people at nonprofits love to hear because companies have so many resources that nonprofits don't, such as marketing support, you know, social media, advertising. Can, can you join a company at an event, creating content, you know, visibility in retail stores, you know, access to consumers, you know, and obviously pro athletes. What we did really well at Protector Winners was, you know, we were leveraging the voice of pro athletes and brands helped us with that. So there are so many assets that companies have that nonprofits could use to really accelerate their mission. And I have to say, SCARP has done a great job with this too. Keep your eyes on SCARP in North America. Uh, going into the fall, there's some pretty cool programming that they're launching around 
DEI and Black Lives Matter that they've incorporated their athletes into that's fantastic. So this is no longer the era of like, I support this nonprofit and I get a PDF of, you know, a logo and different things I can put here on a hang tag. It is much more multi-channel than that. And I think there are ways to bring this to life through video and visual assets, um, live streams, like these are fun, you know, great engaging things that you can, you can um, take, you know, your athletes or ambassadors and put them into the mix and, and really get the word out in a creative way that is all story driven across different channels. So I, I just invite everybody to look at all of the channels that you sell product through and push content through and consider what is the overlay of my you know, commitment to this cause, to this social impact cause. And these are the nonprofits I'm supporting. How do I bring them into this on a regular basis across multiple channels in a way that really brings it to life? That to me is really the future of this. And it's what you're, I, I think it's how consumers need to see you do this in order to truly understand your level of commitment and the action that your brand is taking. Mm -hmm. That's really the special sauce. You know, when, yep. when, a, when a company can really sit down with a nonprofit and, and trade those ideas and get their marketing teams involved, it works for the nonprofit, but it also really works for the brand. Yep, absolutely. Well, on that note, Chris, I have to say thank you so much. I'd love to have you back to kind of give us an update as we continue to go through the rest of this pandemic and the recovery and everything else that's happening in 2020 that's super important from a transformation standpoint. Very, very important. And um, it's wonderful to have you on. I've wanted to have you on the, the podcast for a while now. So thank you for taking the time. This has been absolutely fantastic. Thanks, Kristen. It was great. I really enjoyed it. appreciate it. All right. More to come soon, everybody. Thanks. What a great episode that was with Chris Steinkamp of the Baselayer Group. That's baselayergroup.com. He's the principal and founder and also helped found Protect Our Winters. So wonderful to have Chris on the podcast. He's a great resource around social impact and connecting your brand with a way to make positive change happen. And the two takeaways from Channel Mastery this week are do your homework and make sure that you're researching and interviewing different nonprofits, make sure that they align with the cause that you chose to align your company to. And hopefully you got your workforce involved in that. That is probably the most important thing that you can do. Companies as you know, tiny all the way up to Amazon are seeing workforce-led change. And that is super important to bring your team in. Um, and then make sure you're consistent year after year. So pick your lane and stick to it and be consistent. Develop storytelling threads around it. Incorporate your athletes and all of your channels of relevance for your target consumer. Those are the two channel mastery takeaways from today's episode. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening, Channel Masters. Hey, the fact that you're still here shows me that you are super committed to being remarkable to your target consumer or shopper. I mean, no matter what changes we continue to navigate in our businesses in 2020 and beyond, one thing, thankfully, remains clear. And that is the importance of focusing on being remarkable to our North Star, our absolute target consumer. Focusing on the North Star is how we'll not only get through this challenge that we're in, but it will also be how we grow through this incredibly evolutionary time that we're in. If you're hungry for more training and one-of-a-kind resources created to help you do just that, I have a special invitation just for you. Head on over to channelmastery.com forward slash course, and you can read all about our second cohort of the Multi-Channel Marketing Academy, 
which will be launching in early September 2020. We've intentionally chosen this time frame because of the incredible relevance it has to planning and budgeting for the coming year. Please sign up there and you could be entered to win a free seat in the Academy in the second cohort. And while you are opting in with your email, you'll also be given access and a heads up to all of the incredible content that we're creating for our pre-launch. This will include free trainings and resources that we've been researching and building out just for specialty brand and business leaders like you. As always, thank you so much for being part of the Channel Mastery community and thank you for listening. See you next week.